Hi, and welcome to this Word in Season. Today we'll be hearing from Nolan Makuraj from Zoe Community Church in Johannesburg, South Africa. The Bible says God's Word is the seed for a bountiful harvest. We pray that you will flourish as you apply the principles in the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1 to 9. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, Let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. Many of us know the book of Proverbs and much of Psalms as well was written by King Solomon. Now Solomon was the son of King David. And if you have think about what is he known for, Solomon was known for the rebuilding of the temple. Solomon was also known for his wisdom. And when we study this portion of scripture, you'll see Solomon is saying that wisdom is the principal thing. It is the main thing. Everything rests and lies on wisdom. And he personifies wisdom, right? He's saying, she will place on your head an ornament of grace. Now this ornament, if you have to study it in the scripture, an ornament is something that is beautiful, is something that is attractive. It was never hidden away. It was something that was displayed. In fact, when you study it throughout the scriptures, they took the ornaments from Egypt. All of those things are beautiful things and they're meant to be showcased. Now, this portion of scripture, Solomon is saying, that when you get wisdom, wisdom will bring upon you an ornament of grace. It's not a hidden grace. It's a grace that is showcased to the entire world because you sought wisdom. And this grace is very important in terms of living in this current times that we are. You see, wisdom is mentioned over 200 times in the Bible, depending on the version you look at. But in the Hebrew, it is 222 times. Majority of it was mentioned in the books of Proverbs and Psalms. And it is up until this day regarded as one of the highest qualities amongst Jews. Why is wisdom such a sought after thing? Let's turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 1. And we're going to read from verse 7. But before we start reading it, let me ask you a question. If today God stood before you and asked you, what do you want? Many of us will say, 
pay off my credit card, pay off my house, a new car, a new house. Name anything that you want. What would you say? If I had to give each and every one of you today $10 million transferred into your account today, how many of you would accept it? I would. Right? $10 million deposited in your account. Only one condition. You won't wake up tomorrow. How many of you will rescind the offer? Yet, every day we wake up and we strive for this thing called mammon. But you value your life more than that $10 million. One more day is worth more than that $10 million. Why am I telling you this? It's perspective. Because we get so consumed with the small things in life. We get so consumed with following and asking God for provision without seeking God. We sing those songs and we say, God, you are our life. But we walk out here into the bar, living lawlessly, doing things that displeases God. Have we forgotten what the main thing is? That we should be pleasing God in everything we do. Now, I want to give you someone in the Bible who God asked this question to. Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7 to 12. On that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said to God, You have shown great mercy to David my father and have made me king in his place. Now, O Lord, let your promise to David my father be established, for you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in the multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people who I can judge this great people of yours. And God said to Solomon, Because this was in your heart, and you have not asked for riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked long life, but you have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings ha have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the like. You see, we're pursuing the wrong thing. He never asked for the riches, wealth, but God gave it to him. You know when you sign a, an employment contract, the employment contract tells you, okay, this is your remuneration. Then there's something called fringe benefits. Uh, because you are employed yet, firstly, your remuneration is how much you'll get paid. But the fringe benefits, because you're here, I'll give you a company car, I'll give you a fuel card, I'll give you a cell phone. All those things are not why you're working. It's just fringe benefits. It's a similar thing with God. When we know what God really wants and we seek after that, see, in his heart, he sought after wisdom. All the other things came. He never asked for it. Imagine if he said, I just want wealth. God would have just given him wealth. Now he got the wisdom plus the wealth. 
So in this portion of scripture, we'll see that many of us are seeking after the wrong things. And how do we now make sure we are guided and our pursuit is changed? Because like we saw, the seeking of wisdom will actually place an ornament of grace. It is one of the ways to access grace on this earth. Now let us draw attention to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1. This is Solomon speaking. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also furnished her table. She has sent out her maidens. She cries out from the highest places of the city. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine that I have mixed. Forsake foolishness and live, and go in the way of understanding. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. You see, again, Solomon is personifying wisdom and likens it to a building of a house. This particular house has seven pillars. Now, following into what Cyril spoke about last week, pillars, we can see, is a very symbolic structure in the Bible. And you can see that how we as sons from stones, being set up as pillars, become the house of God and enter into Zion, all by being set up as sons. But you must realize that whenever that happened, that pillar didn't just appear, unless it was the cloud of pillar that God put. The ones that man built, the pillar had to be lifted up by a man. He took stones and he constructed it. When they built the temple, there were two pillars in the front of the temple. If you look at the tabernacle, there were pillars holding up the curtains. These pillars were not stones lying around, scattered stones. They were stones brought together to form this pillar. Now you'll see it's very key in this portion of scripture that Solomon says that she has hewn out her seven pillars. Now I want to go first to show you how symbolic pillars are in the Bible. Let's turn to a few verses. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 33 verse 9. Now the part that you need to remember is that wherever there was a pillar, it was a place that God connected to the earth. And that is a place that was either seen as a consecrated, a holy place. Now let's read Exodus chapter 33 verse 9. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle, the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. First example, right? You see, the pillar is coming, the pillar of cloud, but this pillar, whenever it appears, God speaks to his children on earth. That is a place where God connects to the earth. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 12. In this portion of scripture, you'll see, Moreover, you led them by day with a cloudy pillar and by night with a pillar of fire 
to give them light on the road which they should travel. Again, this pillar is leading God's people. He's showing them where they should go. The other example is in 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 21. You'll see this is when the temple is being rebuilt and there were pillars that were set up. The right pillar named it Jaikon and the left pillar was named Boaz. When God establishes pillars on the earth, he gives that pillar or that place, that location, the ability to connect heavens to earth. Now, in that connecting of heaven to earth, we need to understand what is God saying. Because there were different things that were said at different times when the pillars arose. You had a pillar of cloud, you had the pillar of fire, you had even the pillar of salt. Right? So you can choose to be a stone that is brought in and created into this pillar that God is building. Or you can choose to become a pillar of salt like Lot's wife. Now, interestingly enough, we see that Solomon was saying that wisdom has seven pillars. And it's very interesting that the number seven is used here for wisdom. Because seven, if you have to really look at it from creation, it is God rested on the seventh day, right? And when you study the number seven, the number seven is always likened to divine completeness. It is the finished work of Christ. And if you have to really look into it, the seventh day is a consecrated day. It's the Sabbath day. God called it holy. Now, did you ever wonder when God created the earth, he was done on the sixth day. Why did he need to have a seventh day? Could have called the week done. Okay, it's done. Let's start from one again. Why did he have a seventh day? Because this number seven is so intrinsically linked into the nature and the character of God. This number seven, if you have to study it, it is mentioned more than 700 times in the Bible. In the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, you must always start at the beginning when you read a book. Revelation 1.1 1, 1 starts with saying, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servant, which must shortly take place. This book is talking about the revelation of Jesus Christ. When you read the book of Revelation, you must read it with the lens of understanding who Christ is. Now, this book of Revelation, one of my favorite books, the number seven is used a lot of times. It's very interesting that this number seven, although there were 12 tribes of Israel, why did God only address seven churches? Have you ever wondered that? Now, this seven is being used with wisdom, which shows that it is intrinsically linked into the nature and character of Christ. So seven is being used so many times in the revelation of Christ. Now you have it also being, in the parallel, being compared to wisdom and wisdom's seven pillars. Now, before we go into all of the seven pillars and so forth, there was a process that was being spoken about in Proverbs 9 verse 1. It says, she hewn out her seven pillars. Now the pillars weren't just suddenly picked up and placed there. It was hewn. And this word hewn means to make or shape something by cutting, chopping by a material of wood or stone. 
So it's not a process where the stone just got fitted, it just fitted easily there. It's a process that the stones had to go through a carving, it had to go through a hammering, and those things were required so that it would form this nice looking pillar. Imagine you have a pillar, one jutting out there, the other one, the other side, hanging, this big one is too heavy now, it's falling down. The stones need to fit together properly to make a pillar. Now, in order for the stones to fit together, there has to be someone that is the master builder. That master builder has to yun. That process of yuning is not given to anyone. It is given to a master builder. Now, pastors always said, whenever you speak, bring it back to Christ. So let's go there. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. So when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Verse 19, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosened in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. The master builder is Christ. Because you see this rock here is a small rock. Eh? It doesn't have a capital R. It's not Christ. It's actually, on this rock is Peter who believes in the Son of God. It's one of the stones, like us, but he believes and he, rev he was able to see Christ. He was able to see beyond the flesh. He was able to see Christ in the man. And here you see that Jesus says, I will build my church, capital my church. It's Christ's church. Now, in order to build something, especially like a stone, right? Let's follow me, with me in terms of the process. Can you carve out the stone with just your hands? God needs something like an iron implement or something that he needs to use. Could be the sword, the word of God. But let's go and understand what is in God's hand. What is he using to hewn out these stones? So to be able to form this pillar, you need a master builder, which is Christ. That master builder uses his hands, but he has something in his hands that he uses to actually hewn these stones. So please can we turn to Revelation chapter 1, verse 12 to 20. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And very aptly, the opening scriptures were also similar. Having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man, 
clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet like fine brass, as refined in the furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write these things which you have seen, and write the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars, remember the stars were in his right hand, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. You see, it's a very good picture. Christ is standing in the center of these lampstands. And Christ has in his right hand the seven angels. Last week we heard the angels that are going up and coming down are the set men of God that God has placed on this earth. Now God uses these set men in his right hand, very key where they are located. You know the disciples fought for this, to be seated at the right. They got one better, they are in his right hand. The right speaks of dominion, it speaks of rulership, it speaks about a governmental order. And God is saying, in my right hand I have these seven angels for the seven churches. These angels, God uses that. His implement is the angels that he has. If you read the chapters that follow, when God is addressing the seven churches, he doesn't address the people. Who does he address? He says, to the angel of the church. So the job of the angel or the messenger, if you want to call them messengers of God, pastors, prophets, whatever you want to call them, these angels are there outside of the church. Whilst they may be in the church and speak to us, they are actually not seated. They are actually in the right hand of the Father. In that right hand is how they are now going to execute and be able to hewn us as stones. They have the mandate to be able to bring us into these pillars. So now that we see that there's a process of hewning Let's focus on what is being formed because we know that now wisdom is intrinsically one of these things that represents Christ. We know that we have to go through this process of uning as stones to be set up as pillars and a lying stone is never going to be set up and called Zion. The reason why the church for so long has not come into Zion is because we are scattered stones. We are not allowing ourselves to be hewn. The messengers are here to hewn us, to set us up as pillars. 
when we are set up as pillars, remember we said, wherever God establishes a pillar, that's where God is connected to the earth. So the hewning process happens by a set man of the, the house. But now let's understand the seven pillars that is being spoken about. So let's turn to James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct his words are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above, now this is the key part, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of the righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So you'll see there are seven things that I mentioned here. It's first pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's willing to yield, it's full of mercy and good fruits, and it is without partiality and without hypocrisy. So impartial is one and hypocrisy. If you count them, there are seven pillars. Now let's go into these seven pillars. And I found it very interesting that these seven pillars, if you have to really study it, can be summed up in the Beatitudes. The first one, purity, let's first define it. Pure is akin to holiness. It's one in the same thing, right? Purity is to be holy. It is to be like Christ from the inside, so he's reflected in our intentions all the way to our, in our actions. It's not to have a duplicit view. What's on the inside shows on the outside. Now, let's turn to Matthew chapter 5, where the Beatitudes are, and let's go to verse 8. Verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So the first pillar of wisdom is purity of heart, for they shall see God. Why are we in this 21st century not seeing God? Our hearts are not pure. The book of Psalms says, Who will ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has a clean hands and a pure heart. Purity of heart is something that God desires. And sometimes our actions don't reveal it, but inside your heart is harboring hate, it's harboring resentment, it's harboring so many things that is impure. And when we come to the table of the Lord, we must be able to stand there with a pure heart. We must be able to cleanse. And the blood of Christ has that ability to be able to wash clean our hearts and our intentions. It's a daily thing. That's why in this house we come daily to the table of the Lord. The next characteristic of wisdom is wisdom is peaceable. Let's go to the next verse, verse 9. Blessed 
are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. We all call ourselves sons of God, right? How many of us are peacemakers? Are we peacemakers by the definition that Jesus gave? Or are we ready to fight? How many of us are walking this earth with the true shoes of peace? Romans 12 verse 18 says, If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. When it is in your control, try and live peaceably. Try not to fight with everyone. The neighbor, because a tree is coming into your yard, the alarm is going off, it's too loud. The guy cuts you off on the road. Are we really sons of God walking around there by Jesus' definition? This is one key pillar of wisdom. If you see a man walking that is peaceable, that does not look to start a fight an inquiry every time there is something going on. That is a characteristic of wisdom in a man. The next one is gentle. So let's go to Matthew 5.5. 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We must be able to operate in gentleness in all our actions. Whatever we do, are we kind? You see, a meek person looks like someone who has the lamb nature. It has the blood of the lamb all over them. Why? Because I'll esteem everyone else higher than myself. Be gentle with you. Imagine if we walked around treating everyone like they were supposed to die today. That is how you should be as a son of God. Because you would be extra kind to the person. You'd be extra Willing, ah, you cut me, man, it's fine, it's your last day on the earth. What does it need for us as sons of God to operate in this meekness all the time? It's because we have too much pride. We think we are better than everyone else and that we are entitled to certain things. The next pillar is the willingness to yield. Hard one, they say. People don't want to yield to laws of the land, they don't want to yield to bosses in the corporate world, they don't want to yield to the pastor. Matthew 5 verse 3 Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If we remain poor in spirit, we will always see ourselves as less than and come into submission. Because you always know that I am not perfect. And by saying I am not perfect, I am accepting that someone can point out my wrongs. And when you are able to accept that I have wrongs and someone, I'm allowing another human to point out my wrongs, you are willing to yield. You are willing to yield because someone knows a little more than I do. And for too long, because of this information age, we think we know everything. I can Google certain things, I can present my argument, but certain things are patterns of God. You do not touch them. And those patterns of God, when God sets a man to spiritually craft you and hewn you, you need to heed and be willing to yield. The willingness to yield is linked to your humbleness. The next pillar that you have is the mercy and good fruit. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 
5 verse 7 Blessed are they merciful for they shall obtain mercy Here we see that we are quick to judge and quick to condemn We are quick to place certain things as limitations where if someone has done something to you you'll hold it against them forever Where is a merciful generation because the reality of it is if God was not merciful to us we would all be condemned there's no one here that can tell me that you don't need mercy and here it says blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy you cannot obtain the mercy of god if you have not been merciful to your brother because yes they may have stolen they may have done certain things god says how many times must you forgive 77 times 7 that number 7 appears again hey why because it's a nature and character of christ to be merciful we as sons of god need to put on this mercy the next pillar which is pillar number 6 is that we need to be impartial it says without partiality is impartial let's go to matthew chapter 5 verse 11 and 12 blessed are you when they revile and persecute you say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you stephen was a, a good example of this stephen said father forgive them whilst they stoning him imagine standing there and being stoned and you saying father forgive them jesus did the same he was being crucified father forgive them that's what it means to be impartial it doesn't mean we have taken it to another level and said no i don't have a biased view but the biased view is of someone persecuting you someone is persecuting you but you must still love them love your enemies bless your enemies the last pillar is without hypocrisy and hypocrite if you have to study it is someone who will say one thing do another thing very duplicit in their life right matthew chapter 5 verse 6 Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. For someone to be righteous the word righteous is a very key word because that word means what's on the inside and on the outside is exactly the same. Because righteousness is one of the characters of God. And to be righteous you will have it on the inside and on the outside. But in order to be righteous you have to seek it. And you see blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled now we have here that all the seven pillars can be summed up in the beatitudes that christ taught so in us being formed these are the seven pillars of wisdom that need to be formed in each and every one of us and who is going to form it christ is the master builder but he uses his messengers his angels his set men to be able to hew us into the seven pillars Imagine what a nice view it will be of the seven pillars being formed in each and every one of us. It's no coincidence that the rainbow has seven colors. It's a covenant that God has made with with man. Whenever God shows up this number 7, I can guarantee you if you allow these seven pillars to be formed in you by the set men of this house, you will welcome that ornament of grace 
that ornament of grace will sit upon you and that grace will come with such things, with wealth. It'll come with everything that you didn't even ask for. All those things are actually fringe benefits of God, of being sons of God, will just be poured out upon you. Why? Because you sought the principal thing. The principal thing being wisdom. Now, one of the ways to get this wisdom is also just by asking. Let's turn to James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Our pursuit needs to shift from mammon. Our pursuit needs to shift from glory. It needs to shift from all these things that consume us to be popular, relevant, all the temptations. But it must shift to a place where we are seeking wisdom. Why? Because in that place of wisdom, you'll see God gives you the ability to judge. Yes, I said judge. You know that God has called us as sons of God to judge the earth. But you cannot be given the position of judge if you do not have the wisdom of God. Interestingly enough, if you have to go and study it, pillars in the Hebrew and the word mountain as well is very similar. And you know the Bible says, and the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established and all the mountains will flow to it. God will set us up as pillars and as mountains when we seek the wisdom of God. He will only give us those positions of judge in those earthly mountains when we have heavenly wisdom and something that we have sought after. So, wisdom is not something that is exclusive. James tells us, ask. But when you ask, remember, there's going to be someone that has to hewn it out of you. God is going to send a messenger. That messenger is going to have to hewn. That process is not easy. To knock out the hypocrisy, to knock out the fighting, the partiality, to knock out the impurities. If you think of gold, it has to go through a fire to be able to remove the impurities. That is the process to be able to establish wisdom in our lives. I hope you have been blessed. Thank you. It's been so great having you with us. If you'd like to access any of our free resources, get more information, or sow a seed into our ministry, please visit our website on www.lifecom.co.za. That's www.lifecom.co.za. You can also subscribe to Pastor Justin Naidu on YouTube or find Zoe Community on Facebook and Instagram. Grace and blessings to you.